Welcome to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Joined in studio today by Carolyn Pfeiffer Covington. Carolyn, how you doing today? Hey, it's great to be back in studio. Thanks for being here today. I'm glad you carved out some time to come back to North Dakota. You enjoying your trip? I am. It's always good to come home. Hey, yeah, I appreciate you coming home. It's hard to pull you away from the lake, though, to get you in the studio on a nice day. Yeah, it was it was pretty tough to leave, but Fargo's <laughs> nice. I like Fargo, it. Fargo's amazing, isn't it? Actually, anywhere in North Dakota, Minnesota is nice. Yeah, especially this time of year. Yeah, it's, it's a best. beautiful time of the year, and you got great weather while you're here, which is good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, thanks for uh, thanks again for being here today. Appreciate you taking some time out. I don't know it's your, one of your last days here back in back in Minnesota and North Dakota, so I'm glad you could come on board. I know a lot of our listeners uh, listened to you and Mo here a couple of weeks ago when you were talking about your recent trip and uh, learning a lot about wine over in uh, Portugal. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, that was an amazing trip, and the viticulture out there is just very unique. It's uh, awesome. You know, it's it's incredible. I never really thought much of it until you, uh, you were on that trip and then you were posting every day or a couple of times a day on Instagram and Facebook, so it was fun to watch you... Uh, as you went on that journey over there, but never really realized that the viticulture was that big of agriculture in that part of the world. It's huge. I mean, it's really like everywhere you look is just vineyards and vineyards and it just keeps going. And a lot of people think that it's just port wine, but they also have all kinds of wines. So it's yeah. fascinating. You know, looking at some of your pictures too, the terrain out there, you know, obviously it's not the flat Red River Valley or it's not the sprawling fertile fields of Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota, or even up in Manitoba and Saskatchewan. But really, in a lot of it, looks to me a lot like Napa and Sonoma Valley because you got the steep hillsides and you got the the environment where it's a little bit more difficult to raise them, a little bit more rocky. So again, you don't. And again, we've talked about that before, where you need kind of almost a stress growing environment to get the best grapes. Yeah, absolutely. The soil is really interesting out there and it helps because they don't get a lot of rain. It's a very like dry, hot climate. And so the soil allows the roots to really dig down deep and and find that water source. But like you said, they thrive in a more stressful environment. And so it is very hot and dry. It's it's very, it's a unique place for sure. So when you were over there, I'm sure you got to taste a lot of different wines. What are, what were some of your favorites? More of the reds, more of the white? What and it, mm. and would that that wouldn't be would that be considered more of an old world wine? Yeah, so pretty much anything in Europe is going to be considered old world. But in Portugal, they have this unique area called Vino Verde, and it's like a very lush green grant landscape. Whereas the rest of Portugal is pretty dry. So Vino Verde produces this really nice, light, crisp white wine. It has a little bit of like an effervescence to it. So I love that for a white wine, and then. In the Douro Valley, they produce these really nice full-body red wines, which, you know, you love a Napa Cabernet. So it, it's kind of similar to that style where it's aged in oak and it's got all of those dark fruit characters in the Douro. You know, well, you've been home on your trip. Uh, we've had some really good eating experiences and some good wine tasting. So mm-hmm. uh, the other night, you know, we uh, we kind of split the the wine with whatever we, we whatever we were eating, obviously. We started out with a little bit of Sauvignon Blanc, the white, then we moved into the hall. We had the hall uh, mm-hmm. uh, Cabernet from Napa Valley. Yeah. But, you know, uh, a lot of times when I'm sitting down and I'm going to have a meal where it's kind of surf and turf, where it's fish and, and beef, 
I want to kind of almost stay with one wine. And, and that is very acceptable because there's a, there's kind of a myth out there that you have to pair all white wines with fish or chicken or whatever, and red wines with beef. But you can actually pair mm-hmm. different types of the whites with with red meat as well, right? Yeah, you can. I think the main thing is you just don't want one to overpower the other. So you don't want your wine overpowering your food and vice versa. So if you're going to have a white wine, but you're having like a protein or a meat, you would just want it to be like a heavier white wine that can stand up to that protein. Um, And then same with reds. If you're drinking a red wine, but you want fish like a salmon or a halibut, then you would want a lighter red, like a Pinot Noir or a Cabernet Franc. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. You know, I, I kind of gravitate more towards that now than I ever did before. Yeah. So, you know, like when we were at our place here having uh, surf and turf again, a filet mm-hmm. mignon, nice beef steak, and then also the, the halibut and the salmon and a little bit of smoked walleye. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, as much as I love the reds, I would not mind at all just having a, a really nice cold glass of Sauvignon Blanc for the entire meal, yeah. even while I'm eating the beef. I, I think it, it fits perfect. Yeah, especially when you're a seasonal drinker and it's 80 degrees outside, it's a little harder to open that bottle of really heavy red. So I, yeah, you know, just drink what you like and you can make it work. Folks, uh, Carolyn Pfeiffer Covington in studio with me today. Appreciate her being here today from uh, originally from Fargo, living in Charlottesville, Virginia. And also uh, a wine blogger, so she's got a very interesting and dynamic life. And how's everything at the Covington uh, Vineyard outside of Charlottesville? How's everything looking? It's good. Things are good. This season, we had a little bit of an issue with some Japanese beetles. So those can kind of come around every every few years. Um, So they will have to spray and things like that. They kind of start to eat the leaves. And in our case, our vines are still really young. You know, we planted them last year in the spring. So they're only about two years old. Um, so that does affect them a little bit. You know, they're not getting as much photosynthesis as they should be. Um, but they're still alive. They're still doing okay. And they are still set to produce fruit next year. So yeah, that's awesome. How does it feel to be a farmer? Feels pretty good. I can't take too much credit. I'm not out there every single day getting my hands dirty, but it's definitely a fun learning experience. And taking over vines and viticulture in general is very different than, you know, any other kind of farming, I would imagine. Absolutely. And it's really hands on, you know, whether even though you might not be out there, but you still have to manage it. You have to deal, you have to deal with uh, the, like you said, the insect insects. So you got to you know, have the pesticides there. You have to deal with also with all the different types of weeds or mold or whatever. So you got the herbicides and that type of thing. So again, you're dealing with uh, a lot of the things that every American farmer deals with, that adversity, you know, whether it, it comes from the insect world or whether it might be some sort of uh, invasion of weeds or whatever it might be. But then also you're, you're really at the whim of the weather too, to a degree, even though you don't irrigate yours like they do in some areas of the world, but at least you're, you're dealing with all of those elements. Yeah, absolutely. And Virginia, you know, it's definitely not the best place to grow grapes in the world. It's not the easiest place. I mean, the weather is kind of up and down. It's not like Napa where it's going to be 75 degrees and sunny most of the time. So you are at the whim of the weather and we get a lot of rain. So I guess that's a plus side is we don't really have to pay for irrigation, but then we have to deal with things like, you know, too much water in the soil, um, 
putting in good drainage things to help help you know the roots making sure they're not getting waterlogged and things like that so we all have to deal with our own challenges Carolyn Pfeiffer Covington in studio today. She's agreed to stick around for the entire show here on America's Land Auctioneer. You know, our show every week is sponsored by Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty. Our friends at the the Pfeiffer's Auction Company and Land Management, uh, every week and uh, every day they sponsor our, our podcast as well. And do they have a schedule coming up this fall? We're going to touch on that a little bit on all of our segments today. But if you go into their website at pifers.com, you'll see all kinds of buying opportunities. And my, oh my, when September rolls around and it's just here now, we're going to be inching into September here right after Labor Day. The Pifers team is going to be in South Dakota selling a 40-acre livestock yard and the Mole Farm Retirement Auction and then 240 acres near one wound socket South Dakota in Sanborn County. And then the team is going to hit it hard in North Dakota. Nearly 90 land and equipment auctions from Labor Day to the middle of December. And September includes 176 acres in Stutzman County near Jamestown. They are going to have their Upper Midwest Timed online auction, and that's going to be mostly in the central part, in the eastern part of North Dakota. And then 148 acres of exceptional cropland in Grand Forks County near Reynolds, North Dakota. And then one of the highlights of the entire fall, also on September 11th, there's going to be a couple of great opportunities on both sides of the Red River. As the Pfeiffer team, Jack Pfeiffer is going to be hosting two sales Monday, September 11th. 289 acres near Gardner, North Dakota, right along I-29, just north of Fargo. An incredible opportunity and offering of farmland. Cropland would consist of sugar beets, corn, soybeans, canola, barley, wheat, sunflowers. And then over in Trail County, just to the north, over 700 acres near Blanchard, North Dakota. A lot of this ground is tiled ground. So it's going to be some of the best land that you can buy in Trail County. And that's those are both on the same day, September 11th, one at 10 o'clock and another at 11. And that same day in the afternoon, the Pfeiffer team will head across the river uh, to Norman County near Halstead and Borup. Those land auctions will be held in Moorhead, Minnesota. 300 acres of incredible cropland in Norman County near Halstead and another 76 acres of cropland in Norman County near Borup, Minnesota. And then the next day, the Pfeiffer team is going to start inching its way a little bit further west with nearly 2,000 acres of land in Sheridan County, 160 acres in Ransom County near Lisbon, and then another 480 acres near Wimbledon in Barnes County, and then later that same morning, another 160 acres in Barnes County near Valley City. That's only to September 14th, Carolyn, and that doesn't that even get us halfway. Lot. You guys are busy. <laughs> doesn't get us halfway through the month. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. Before we take a break, I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty. They're farm real estate agents, they're land and equipment auctioneers, and they're farmland managers for sponsoring our show every single week on your favorite radio station and all of our podcasts on Apple and Spotify. Nobody, nobody does it better than the team at Pfeiffer's. If you want a free consultation, go to their website at pifers.com. Go to their contact our team page and they'll get you a free consultation on selling your land and equipment or managing your farmland. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auction here. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. $2,000 a bit, $2,000 a wear, $17,000 a year now, too. 
So, wait for 1,700 and now 1,000, now one now 1,000, Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Joined in studio today by Carolyn Pfeiffer Covington. Carolyn, thank you again for being here today. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. You know, I know you live in a very historic, beautiful part of the United States. Charlottesville, Virginia, and the surrounding countryside. uh, Rolling hills and mountains and all kinds of sprawling fields and meadows. But it's great to get back to North Dakota, Minnesota, isn't it? It is. I just always miss, like, the open land and the fields. It's great to be back. Isn't it? It is absolutely incredible, the northern plains. Uh, you know, we were driving here just recently out into the lakes country when we met you out there for dinner. And, it, you know, you think about it. Yeah, there's a lot of beautiful parts in the world. You know, a lot of great countryside. But it sure is this time of the year for sure. Mm-hmm. Pretty hard to beat our part of the world. And western North Dakota and eastern Montana this year. Man, they look gorgeous. Beautiful uh, scenery this year with all the rains they've been getting out there. And this time of the year with the harvest and you know, the backdrop of the alfalfa, green alfalfa fields and the, the rolling meadows, just incredible country. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty bummed I'm not going to make it out to western North Dakota this year, but next summer I'm definitely going to plan a trip out there. It's so beautiful. Yeah, we'll have to take a trip out into the to the Badlands, get out to the Medora Musical, go to the north unit and the south unit of the Badlands, and then also uh, go down south of Richardson where we'd like to do a little bit of hunting, mm. uh, where your brother Jack and I do some hunting on our property just south of there along the Hart River. A uh, beautiful, sprawling country down there, just gorgeous with the big breaks and everything and the hills. And, you know, people think that ah, you got to almost get to the Badlands. But before you get there, there's a lot of beautiful countryside. Mm, yeah, mm. that sounds nice. Well, hunting is going to be happening pretty soon, right? Yeah, hunting season is upon us. The, the, the bow season now in North Dakota open, of course. And then uh, the upland game with the, the pheasants will open in October. Uh, deer rifle will open in November in North Dakota and Minnesota as well in South Dakota. Pheasant season's big down in South Dakota too. So going to be a lot of great hunting opportunities and, and still fishing time too. It's still a lot of great fishing to be done yet this year. If you still have your boat out and you want to get out, we did a lot. We did fishing on a lot of North Dakota lakes this year on all these prairie lakes. I mean, incredible uh, fished on a number of lakes I'd never been to before. In North Dakota? In North Dakota. That's yes, awesome. and a number of them in central North Dakota and more easterly, you know, whether they're in the Carrington area, Grace City area, Warwick, or all the way up to the big lake at Devil's Lake and up into Metagoshi. You know, there's so many great fishing lakes in North Dakota. North Dakota Game and Fish does an incredible job of stocking these lakes and, and managing uh, the, the fisheries that we have, some of the best fisheries in the world, no doubt about it. But, you know, in your part of the country, Virginia, great fishing out there. Lots of places to go. Yeah, there's some great fishing. We have some beautiful lakes. I'm a little biased. They're not as beautiful as North Dakota and Minnesota, (laughs) but they are still really nice. And, of course, you know, just different terrain overall. You have mountains and things are a lot bigger out there. But, yeah. It's beautiful. Well, tell us a little bit more about your recent trip now. You uh, you had a great trip to Portugal. Uh, you were gone almost, uh, you were gone about 10 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about the, the, the river cruise you're on because you were able to see this enormous uh, part of the country. And it is truly spectacular country. The scenery is unbelievable. 
Yeah, it was beautiful. So the river cruise portion, you know, we started in Porto, Portugal, um, and we sailed down the Douro River. Um, So we sailed from west to east towards Spain, and then we actually touched into Spain, visited Salamanca, and then came back. So the Douro River is actually not that big. In Portugal in general, it's not, you know, that big of a country. Um, so we we stopped every night in a different little city on the river, and then we made our way back. And yeah, it was just a really fascinating place to be, you know, immersing ourselves in the culture and tasting the food and the wine and meeting all of these fun people and experiencing it, it all on a river cruise for a whole week was something that I had never done before. And it was nice. I've never been on a cruise in general. So uh, it was a different experience, but I actually really enjoyed it. I, I never like had a big desire to be on a boat or on a cruise, but river is different. You know, it's a lot smaller. There were only like 80 people on the entire ship. Um, so, you know, it was just really relaxing and enjoyable, not overcrowded. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. What, what, what notable experience stood out the most for you? What, what is something that you did not expect? Uh, what is something that kind of is a lasting memory of that trip? I think just how many vineyards there are. I have studied the Douro Valley and Portugal wine country in my wine studies. And just to actually go there and see it in person. And, you know, we would do excursions where we got off the cruise and went into the actual land and and drove around and I mean, just the vineyards went on and on and on. And they're like these really, really steep hills. So to be honest, the terrain is unlike anywhere else in the world. And everything is hand harvested. And you just see people out there. Like you can't even fit machines on these terraces that these vineyards are on. And they're UNESCO protected. So you can never get rid of them. And it's just, it's like very ancient and traditional and beautiful. It was amazing. That that is neat. Yeah, and, and I appreciated all the pictures and the videos you took. Uh, they were really quite remarkable. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I would imagine that the the vineyard experience there. You know, if you're in the production of grapes in that part of the world, it is really hands on. Like you said, you can't on these hillsides can't get a lot of equipment in there. So I'd imagine that all the daily care and everything, whatever it might be, whether it's insect control or weed control or whatever, and also the harvesting, pretty much done by hand. Yeah. I mean, the harvesting is for sure done by hand, especially when it's on those UNESCO, you know, terraces because they are so steep. You can't fit any piece of machinery on there. So people are literally going around and cutting each cluster of grape off by hand. Um, But as far as like management and like upkeep in the vineyard goes, what's really cool about that area is a lot of it is just organic farming. They don't need a lot of herbicides or pesticides or anything you know to be done out there it's like I said it's like a really dry climate so of course they have to go through and do pruning and just general upkeep but um, it's also just very like clean wine you're really tasting the true terroir when you're tasting these wines and something also that's very interesting about this area so they'll hand harvest everything they'll make the wines out in the Douro and then once the wine is made They'll actually ship it down the river back to Porto to be aged because the Douro Valley is really, really hot. And obviously, when you're aging wine, you don't want it to be aged in a really hot area. 
Um, so you want it to be aged in like a cooler cellar. So they ship it back to Porto and they have these big caves where they age all of their wine. That sounds incredible. We're going to touch a little bit more on that in our third segment. Carolyn Pfeiffer Covington in studio today, uh, wine expert, wine influencer. So glad you could be here. Thank you. Before we take a break, though, I want to get back into the Pfeiffer's calendar. You know, we, Carolyn, we went through a couple dozen sales here, and we're only in mid-September. So they do have another 160 acres coming up in Barnes County, the Pfeiffer team. That's going to be near Valley City. Another 630 acres in Stutzman County near Jamestown. Incredible cropland. And then the team's going to be down in Nebraska in Saline County. There's going to be 75 acres down there. And then the Bud James Agnew, the Milton Bud James Agnew Farm Retirement Equipment Auction, or the Trust Auction, I should say, Trust Equipment Auction near Minokin, North Dakota, not too far outside of Bismarck in Burley County. And then the team has an incredible offering, 1,270 acres in Ward County. That's going to be a dandy near Max, North Dakota. So now we're going to touch on some more. Maybe I should tell you right now, another 160 acres near Donnybrook in Ward County. So that only gets them to September 19th, Carolyn. We've got a long way to go. We're going to get through that calendar here by the end of the show today. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer, our show every Saturday, and our podcast on Apple and Spotify are sponsored by Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Farm Land Management. Their team of land and equipment auctioneers, their farm real estate agents, and their Farmland managers will give you a free consultation in helping out selling your land or equipment or managing your farmland. Nobody does it better than the team at Pfeiffer's. You can go to their website at Pfeiffer's.com or call them toll-free, 877-700-4099. You're listening to America's Land Auction here. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Lucky to have in studio today, Carolyn Pfeiffer Covington. Carolyn, thanks again for sticking around. Segments three and four, right? Yeah, absolutely. I got you for the whole day here, so I appreciate you sticking around. And I know our listeners always enjoy having you. I think when we first started our radio show and podcast, Two and a half years ago, you were on episodes one and two, if I remember right. I was. Yeah. I was. I've been here since the beginning. Yep. And I think we're at 133 consecutive podcasts now. Yeah. Wow. That's and you guys have never repeated a show. Never. Every single week, a fresh new show, <laughs> new topics, new guests. You guys are killing it. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, it's great when guests like you come on because you provide a lot of great information for us. And we're going to talk a little bit more now about the grape harvest coming up and all those kind of things and what we should all be looking for mm -hmm. and those types of things. You just don't want to go buy a bottle off the shelf, right? So you want to kind of study it a little bit. But on the other hand, you don't want to be intimidated by it either, do you? Right. You know, you could go either way. <laughs> Absolutely. So again, before we uh, do that, I just want to uh, jump into the Pfeiffer's calendar here. Let's just finish out September for the Pfeiffer's <coughs> auction and realty team. And then we'll get back to the wine business with Carolyn Pfeiffer Covington. But we're going to talk a little bit more about this Pfeiffer team coming up here. I think I finished off here in September 19, 1,273 acres. It's incredible cropland near Max, North Dakota. That one's being handled by Jack Pfeiffer. And that same day now near Donnybrook, he's going to be handling 160 acres in Ward County. 
And then uh, we're going to have 320 acres of really good cropland in McLean County now, 320 acres near Max, North Dakota. That's going to be the fourth land auction that day. The fifth auction will be 434 acres of cropland near Renville County, in Renville County near Carpio, North Dakota. Then the sixth auction that day, a six-acre farmstead near Minot, North Dakota. The seventh sale will be a written bid lease auction that day in Wells County. 900 acres of crop and pasture land in Wells County. So Pfeiffer team's going to be really, really going at it on September 19th, uh, nine auctions that day alone. And then the, tw- the 20th, September 20th, 612 acres. This is for the Stavi family now in Towner County near Leeds, and I've been on this farm a couple of times. What a great opportunity in Towner County, North Dakota. And then 160 acres that same day in Walsh County near Edmore, North Dakota. These sales are going to be at 10 and 11 o'clock. And then the next day, the team's going to come back east and do 154 acres in Grand Forks County near Northwood, North Dakota, just south of Laramore, North Dakota. And then the following week, to finish out September, on Monday the 25th, 156 acres, well, about 157 plus or minus in Morton County near New Salem, North Dakota. One of my favorite places in the whole entire state of North Dakota out in Morton County. 319 acres near Bismarck in Burley County. And then 640 acres of some of the best pasture land, grazing land, we are going to sell all year near Mercer, North Dakota in Sheridan County. So that's going to be a dandy. And then the Pfeiffer, not Pfeiffer, but the Pfeiffer Estate Classic Car Auction in Bismarck, North Dakota. That'll be a live and a live online auction. That's going to be in Bismarck on September 25th at 1 p.m. And then on September 26th, 160 acres of just some of the best cropland you'll find in Traverse County near Wheaton, Minnesota. And then also there'll be an online auction in Burke County, North Dakota, that same day, 400 acres there. And then an online-only auction on Tuesday, September 26th, at McCarthy Farm Toy and Collectible Auction in Steel, North Dakota. Carolyn, then we're going to sell some minerals. We're going to sell some oil rights out in Williams County near Williston. And these are actual producing minerals. Wow. The actual oil wells are out there and they're pumping and they're producing. What a great opportunity if you're looking for some minerals to buy. And then the Pfeiffer team getting ready to round off the week on Thursday, September 28th. And perhaps my favorite area of all of Western North Dakota in Bowman, North Dakota at Pfeiffer's regional office. Pfeiffer's Western Dakota Equipment Auction. That'll round out their month of September. My, oh, my, what a September this is going to be. Uh, their most jam-packed calendar for September in their tw- nearly 25-year history. You can get a hold of the Pfeiffer's team, or you can look at all these auctions at Pfeiffer's.com. Go to their website and get into their auction calendar. And if you have any questions, get a hold of the Pfeiffer's Land and Equipment Auctioneers at 877 877- 700-4099 or you can just go to the website at pifers.com and go into the calendar and look at all of these incredible pieces of property that are being offered and on also extensive lines of farm and construction equipment that'll be on the market. So Carolyn, again, thank you for being here. Appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, it certainly has been great to have you in here, but it's hard to believe we're, we're well into the grain harvest here in North Dakota and Minnesota, South Dakota, and Eastern Montana, and all the way up into the, the, pro, the, the, the uh, provinces in, in Canada, in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, uh, wheat harvest well, well underway, Durham and barley and oats harvest and all of that. 
and now we're gearing up for the soybean and corn harvest. But the, you know, those who have vineyards, they're they're gearing up for a big harvest, and it looks like it's going to be a dandy across the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, harvest is definitely well underway for certain grape varieties, but yeah, that will continue to happen through October in most places in the country. You know, what is it that, you know, the the vineyard owners, you know, a lot of times these vineyards are owned by the winery. Sometimes they're leased, you know, like in your situation, mm-hmm. you're a vineyard owner, you're going to lease it out to a local winery. But what is it that uh, the winemakers themselves are looking for in these grapes? I'm sure there's, you know, every year it's different, right? And the, yeah. there's, you know, and that's why some are aged and some aren't. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, it depends on the grape variety, right? And there are thousands of different grape varieties, but, you know, some of the most common Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, Petit Verdot, Sauvignon Blanc, all of those, they're all totally different and they all have their own characteristics. So a lot of things depend on how big the grape size is, how thick the skin is, the natural acidity, the amount of sugar that it can produce. So when people are going into harvest, they are mainly looking at two things, which is the sugar level and the acidity level. And then they're deciding, okay, well, what are we going to be using this grape for? What type of wine are we trying to produce? In Chardonnay's case, are we trying to produce a sparkling wine or a really light-bodied, crisp white wine? Or are we producing, you know, a heavier-bodied, oaky, more buttery-style Chardonnay? So Chardonnay is one of those grapes that can be harvested all the way from the beginning of August through September. And as it hangs on the vine, the longer it hangs on the vine, the higher the sugar level gets and therefore the lower the acidity level. So if you're harvesting early August Chardonnay, you're probably going to use that Chardonnay for a sparkling wine, champagne style wine, something with really high acidity, more green fruit notes, citrus notes. And then if you harvest Chardonnay in September, it would have more tropical fruit notes, rich notes, maybe dried fruit notes that you would use for a fuller bodied wine. So they're looking at all of those things and every grape variety is totally different. So you can harvest too early or too late. Yeah, you can. And, it, you know, it's all up to, you know, the winemaker is going to want to work with the vineyard manager to decide when the right time is. And the weather really affects that, right? The nighttime temperatures. If a big rain is coming in, for, in our case on the East Coast, you know, hurricane season, if there's a lot of days of rain, they need to make a decision. Should we harvest early and risk maybe the grapes being a little underripe or should we chance it and wait until after the rain and see how it ends up after. But that that issue of waiting until after rain, sometimes your grapes can become a little too diluted if it swells up with too much water. So yeah, sometimes you have to take a risk and you just have to make a decision and see what happens. So, you know, this window of opportunity for harvest, you're sometimes you could be talking days or maybe a week or two. Mm-hmm. Right. Or is yeah. it, is it, no, is it yeah. A- days, days, weeks, days, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely more difficult when the weather patterns are kind of all over the place. So if you have pretty good, consistent, dry, you know, normal temperatures, then it's not as crazy of a, oh, we better hurry up and pick these tomorrow morning. Um, but yeah, it really, you know, and each year it's totally different too, which is why vintages in wine is a thing and it's important to pay attention to those because some vintages are better than others. 
So yeah, if you're looking, if you're looking at the weather and all of a sudden you see a month, you know, we're going to have probably a three or four day stretch of really bad weather, a lot of rain. Mm -hmm. uh, that is something you may want to accelerate the harvest if you did not think you were going to be able to get in there in time during that stretch of, of really uh, wet weather. So you'd want to make sure that you can get in there and get Absolutely. that taken care of, right? And some people, you know, some farmland vineyard managers, they'll do a half and half, right? So let's say you have a big plot of Merlot and you have rain coming in. Well, let's harvest half of it now and then we'll wait and harvest the second half after the rain. And then they're usually able to see like, okay, the stuff that we harvested early was better. Let's use those grapes for our Merlot reserve and do the other grapes for our rosé wine. So then they're able to decide, you know, what they want to use them for in terms of the quality. And if they did a blend type wine. Yep, or they, they could, could blend them into other, yeah, exactly. So if you, let's say for instance, if you, uh, and not every bottle of wine from the same vintage or the same block is going to taste the same, right? It, yeah. You want it to be fairly consistent, I'm sure, as you harvest, you want to be able to do that. Uh, but let's say for instance, if you were unable, let's say, like you say, harvest said, half the field or whatever, you would have to readjust your strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, every vineyard plot, even every single row of grapes can be different, you know, different aspects and weather and just there's a lot that goes into it. So yeah, you can get pretty detailed. It's pretty interesting. Folks, you're listening to Carolyn Pfeiffer Covington out of Charlottesville, Virginia, wine influencer and our guest today, she's agreed to stick around for the entire so show, so she'll be here in our fourth segment as well. Our show every Saturday and our podcasts on Apple and Spotify are sponsored by Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty, their land and equipment auctioneers, their real estate agents, and all of their farmland managers. They'll give you a free consultation on selling your land and equipment and managing your farmland. Just go to Pfeiffer's.com and they'll give you a free consultation on selling your land and equipment and managing your farmland. Nobody does it better than the team at Piper. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Piper. We'll be right back after this break. Everybody get to the 35 and a half. So right there, give her a great buy. Been on here now, fifty thousand dollar bid now, twenty five bid, thirty thousand dollars here now. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Joined in studio today, Carolyn Pfeiffer Covington. Carolyn, it's been a great show. Thanks for being on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been fun. Hey, appreciate all of the insight in your trip to Portugal and you landed on the banks of Portugal and Spain as you took the Douro River. That had to have been an incredible time and uh, I am going to have to take one of those trips sometime. I'm not a big cruise person, but if I can see land on either side, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I think the river cruise is, yeah. is a good way to go. Yeah, I think that's, that's the way I'd like it. You know, I took Jim Sabby and John Sorrighty and Dwight Hofflin. We went to Alaska fishing not too long ago. We were out in the ocean. and uh, Jim and Dwight, they can't swim. And uh, I asked Jim how he was doing. He said, well, pretty good. First time he'd ever been in the ocean, on the ocean. And uh, he said, as long as I could see land, I was pretty good. So, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I think it's kind of cool. We had, we had a great time fishing for halibut and salmon and trout and everything. So, we, yeah, we really, really had a great time up in Alaska. But I'll tell everybody about that trip sometime. That'll yeah, be, you should. That'd be kind of fun to go you through some should. of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we uh, we talked a little bit about wine, you know, the grape harvest, and I want to just touch on that a little bit more. Um, I learned a little bit in that segment. I want, so I want to thank you for bringing that up about 
you know, the tight window of opportunity. The bookends are pretty close together when it comes to harvesting that. You know, we see that up in this part of the country too. So, you know, especially on durum and barley and those kind of crops where it's really important uh, if you want to get that high quality that the processors want. Durham can be kind of a touchy crop to harvest. You know, there's a window of opportunity there. Can't let it sit too long, get too wet or whatever it might be. Same with barley if you want malting type barley and that type of thing. So not a really whole lot different than than grape harvest. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, kind of like you said, you know, you have to be somewhat quick about it as well. And you want to make sure you're doing it at the right time. So, you know, with grapes, the main component that's so important is the acidity and sugar. And acidity is what's going to keep it really fresh and have that, you know, fresh tasting aspect to the wine. So when you're harvesting grapes, typically people will do it like at night or really in the morning when it's super cool. And then you have to also take into consideration, well, are we hand harvesting? How many people do we have? How quickly can we get it done? Or are we using a machine and then putting it in refrigerated trucks? So yeah, there's a lot of little things that go into it to making sure that the quality is there because with wine, quality is very, very important. Are there any additives that the winemaker, now obviously the grapes are what they are. Once you harvest them, you know what you have. Mm-hmm. But is there any, are there any additives that a winemaker will use to help push it one way or another as far as acidity or taste or anything? Yes. So there are a lot of different additives that you can use. Of course, it's always better to do minimal intervention. Um, but, you know, in some cases, you, you got to do what you got to do. So, of course, sulfur dioxide and things like that to making sure that things are staying fresh and not getting spoiled. Um, if you have higher sugar levels and the acidity is not quite there, you can add in like tartaric acid or different things to acidify it. Um, You can also add in sugar, so that might just be concentrated grape must or other forms of sugar. So there are different things that you can do to adjust the wine. Um, But like I said, of course, the better wines and the really good quality wines are going to be low intervention because if the, you know, farmers and the vineyard managers are doing their job right, they are producing really good quality grapes where you almost don't need to, you shouldn't really have to do much. So, but then there's also, you know, the different yeast strains that you use. A lot of people will use, you know, a commercial yeast. um, But then nowadays what's becoming really popular is natural wines where you're just using wild yeast, ambient yeast and things like that. So. So an organic farmer, you know, we've been to a number of uh, vineyards together, you and I, we've been on some organic biodynamic farm vineyards. Uh, they are limited in what they can use, right? Yeah. And, you know, organic in the U.S. vineyards, it's they're actually stricter laws than in the European Union as far as being organic goes. So that's really great. Um, but you do have organic farming and then you also have biodynamic farming, which is like a step further. And so that's when, you know, you're you're using the manure from the farm as fertilizer and you're not, you know, using all of these artificial things. So there's different levels that, that can be taken. And yeah, those are really amazing, fascinating practices. And those are some amazing wines. Yeah, and, and some people prefer that. They prefer mm-hmm. the biodynamic organic wines because... You know, if they, you know, they may have allergic reaction to certain things. Well, even a cork, you know, an oak cork or whatever, yeah. whatever it is, whatever they're made out of, could have 
some sort of an, people can get an allergic reaction from that, right? Or, right. And, you know, sulfites can be an issue for some people. And there's, you know, different levels of sulfites that are used all over the country in terms of, you know, wine production. And so all we really have to disclose is this contains sulfites on the labels. So you don't always know how many sulfites they used and what exactly they did to that wine. Um, so that's kind of a tough one there. But typically white wines are meant to be, you know, drink younger. So they'll contain less sulfites. But I think another thing that some people get sulfites and histamines confused as well. So histamines would be from the tannin and the, the grape skins. So there's all these different things that I, you know, things aren't always a hundred percent clear with wine. Well, and it's <laughs> <Could> not <be laughs> be more written out on the label, but it's, yeah, it's, it's not as, it's not as easy or glamorous as it looks. Right? Yes, exactly. There's a lot that goes into all of it. Not only the production, mm-hmm. but also the process. Yeah. I mean, no, honestly, there's like nothing glamorous at all about <laughs> wine production. It's, it's dirty, sticky, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. And then of course you just, you have the finished product, but the whole production is pretty much anything but glamorous. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah it looks good from the outside. It looks easy. It looks a lot of fun, but yeah. it's pretty intense. It's, you know, it's not dairy farming obviously, but it's, uh, there's a lot of intensity when it comes to all of this. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it takes a lot of people. It's a lot of hard work. And I mean, now, especially this time of year, those people that are harvesting and making the wines, they they don't sleep from August through October. So it's a lot of work. Folks in studio today, Carolyn Pfeiffer Covington, a wine influencer and uh, vineyard owner. Glad you could join join us here today. Appreciate it. Again, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Folks, we just got a couple of minutes left here before we sign off for the day. Uh, before we do that, I just want to, again, touch uh, base with the Pfeiffer's team here with their September and October calendar coming up. We did go through the entire September calendar. Uh, we didn't talk at all about October. Uh, October is going to be a jam-packed as well for the team. They have plenty going on, including their Western Dakota land auction event. Now, that auction event usually takes place, just like it will now this year, the second weekend of pheasant hunting in North Dakota. And it's usually a strong combination of cropland, pasture land, and hunting land. And it usually does involve some really, really good hunting land. Now, that starts this year on a Wednesday. It's going to be Wednesday, October 18th. The team is going to just start out with a sale in the morning in uh, near McLaughlin in Corson County, South Dakota. And then the team will be moving up to Golden Valley, North Dakota, near Beach. And that'll be about 400 acres. And then another one later that day, another 588 acres. And then Stark, Billings, and Hedinger County. And then rounding it off in Bowman and Slope Counties in North Dakota. And then Harding County in South Dakota on Friday October 20th. So if you're interested in any of those auctions, uh, 10 total right now, and they're adding to that daily, uh, that'll be the second weekend of pheasant hunting season for the Pfeiffer's team. Nobody does it better than their team of land and equipment auctioneers, their farmer real estate agents, or their farm land managers. They have the experience and the passion and the proven results. Just Absolutely. I tell you what, they are the best, Carolyn. Nobody does it better. <laughs> I right? believe it. Yep. Yeah, you got to believe it, right? They do. They are incredible. Mm-hmm. Folks, uh, Carolyn Piper Covington has been with us all day. Thanks again, Carolyn. 
Yes, thanks for having me. I hope everyone has a great Labor Day weekend. Absolutely. Happy Labor Day, everybody. You've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll look forward to being with you again next week. I'm a thousand out of bit of down one, 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 one